When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins, powered by BetUS. What's happening? We got a game coming up this weekend. We got a big trade to talk about, but I want to remind you we're brought to you by BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. And Legends, a premium athletic apparel built for the modern athlete, owned by some of your favorite athletes, including Willie McGinnis. All right, Greg, let's start with the Stefan Gilmore trade. Did you like it? <laughs> no, <laughs> I hated it. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I just I, I don't understand it in a variety of ways. The only thing, Nick, that really uh, explains why Bill would make this deal now and take what he did is if he had some suspicion I'm not saying it's factual but he had some thought that Stefan Gilmore and first of all let me backtrack and explain things to people when you are on the physically unable to perform list uh, and you are in the final year of your contract like Stefan Gilmore is you have to get off of PUP or else your contract tolls so basically, if Stefan Gilmore just says my my quad hurts the whole year and the Patriots never activate him, we're right back here next year. He's on the books for $7 million for next season. So Stefan Gilmore has to come off a pup to get his service time. He has to be active. He has to be placed on the active roster. He doesn't actually have to play in a game. He needs to do that because that gives him his service time. That means he's played this year. He'll be a free agent next year. So the only way this deal makes any sense to me, Nick, is if Bill Belichick had some thought, some suspicion that Stefan Gilmore, because of their contract negotiations, would not, would not play this year. That he would basically get cleared off of PUP, get passed on his physical, and then be, be placed on the active roster. And as soon as he's placed on the active roster – basically fake an injury. That's that's the only explanation I have, Nick, because it doesn't make any sense. There's no especially there's a there's a there's a cornerback sort shortage in the NFL. There's a cornerback shortage on the Patriots. They're now down to JC Jackson, Jonathan Jones and Jalen Mills, and that's it. That's basically all they have. There there are no cornerbacks and for the Patriots to be like, oh yeah, we can we we're going to trade away a guy who was defensive player of the year two years ago, and it was still a pretty good, decent number one cornerback last year. And who knows what he would have come back as this year? For him, for them to just trade him away for a six round pick, it makes absolutely no sense to me. Yeah, I don't like. And it. when he's making no money, he's not yeah. making any money. I don't like it. I don't get it. Um, and there's a number of different things that I don't like and don't get. First of all, you just spelled out everything currently where this leaves the secondary. You know that I was not a huge fan of the Jalen Mills signing if he's going to stay 
at the outside corner spot. Yeah. I think that's a disaster waiting to happen. And now this puts him at the forefront of being that guy. And I think it's a gigantic downgrade from Gilmore to Mills. There's no doubt about that. But then you look back at the situation. This is something we've talked about for the last, I don't know, close to a year. Everybody knew Gilmore was going to want a new contract. Everybody knew the situation heading into the trading deadline last year. The reports, correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, uh, I'm not saying these reports are from you. I don't remember specifically right. what you wrote about the situation. Right. But I know people were saying in writing that, you know, there was some talk about Gilmore before the trading deadline. And mm -hmm. Belichick wanted a lot for Gilmore. He could have gotten yeah. maybe a first-round pick from some teams, most likely a second-round pick, because those teams knew Gilmore would want a new contract. Belichick, yep. at the trading deadline last year, decided not to pull the trigger on a deal. Now, people will say, well, Nick, they needed Gilmore for last season. I would say they finished 7-9. and nine. Like, if, if, like what, what did you need him for? So you could have made the deal before the deadline. You didn't. Then he gets injured. Now it makes it everything, you know, everything turns murky. You head into the offseason. Again, you could have had conversations with people from what I have read. And all I can do is go off of what I read. I, I don't know sources. I don't talk to people in the building. From what yeah. I read, Belichick showed pretty much zero urgency to try to get a trade done with Gilmore. Because mm -hmm. he thought they would be able to restructure his contract. Well, you know, thought thought he blew a fart, but he really shit his pants. He thought wrong. Like, if, if you look at restructuring, Gilmore wasn't going to restructure with the Patriots for whatever reason. So you didn't trade him at the trade deadline last year. You didn't try to trade him during the offseason. You said, well, we're going to restructure him, or we think we have leverage, so we'll be able to restructure him and keep him this season. And you ended up reading that wrong. And so you end up with a sixth round pick in 2023 for a guy who's a top five cornerback in the league when he's healthy. I don't know how anybody can look at that and say it's a win or that it's, you know, try to explain that away. To me, that's a clear loss for Belichick. I just, you cannot allow a guy who is as talented as Gilmore to walk away, to get out of your building for a sixth round pick two years from now. Like to, to me, that is a mismanagement of the asset. I mean, it, Nick, yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, we've been talking about it for a long time. We've been talking about it on this podcast for a year. We talked about it. It's a trade line. St everybody, Nick, this is how blatantly obvious the situation was that the Patriots had to trade Stephon Gilmore. Gilmore put his house on the market. Like, that's that's him and his agent talking and his agent going like, the Patriots aren't idiots. I mean, if they, they know whether they're going to give you a contract extension or not. Like, if they're two and five, I think they were two and five at the deadline. That was after I just want to uh, go back and, and look, but it was, it was over. I think that was after the bills loss. Uh, hang on one second. Cause I'm on. Uh, so they were two and five. Yeah. I think the bills loss. I think the, I think the trade deadline was right after that because November 1st was the bills loss. They're two and five. And that's when Bill started making the excuses on radio. He knew that was the line of demarcation. They win that game. They got a chance. They fumbled. Cam Newton fumbled. It was over. We it, it, Cam, uh, uh, Stefan Gilmore putting his house on the market. That's him and his agent talking, being like, dude, they're not giving you a contract extension. Uh, you know, if you walk, they're, they're only going to get – if you walk in healthy and get a big contract – you know, they're only going to get a third round pick. They're not going to franchise you and then try to trade you. And 
he, like, you're gone. That you just put your house on the market. They're going to trade you. And Belichick just, I don't know if he froze or what, Nick, but he just, he screwed it up. And I don't want to hear anything about like, oh, well, he got hurt. And and first of all, as soon as he got hurt in that game, I said, that's the, I I tweeted something along the lines of, this will probably be the last time we see Stefan Gilmore as a Patriot because of what the situation was. And I don't want to hear anything about the injury. You know, it's football. It's all part of the calculation. You have to say, well, there's a chance that a guy could get injured or he could get in trouble off the field. Like, you got to deal with it in hand. You just can't take it for granted that the guy's going to be there in six months and his status isn't going to change. And so it was just a complete fail at the deadline. Everybody knew he should have been traded. Bill asked for too much. He panicked. He kept him, and he lost. It was a big L. One question for you, though. In fairness, you know, we go back to camp. And you had said that giving Gilmore a bump what was it didn't make much sense to you unless he got out there on the field. Yep. So the to me, I just want to make sure we clarify this. At the point when you got to camp, there really was nothing that you could do at that at that moment, right? Like I did not want Belichick to give Gilmore an extension of any kind until Gilmore was out there showing that he can play at 31 years old with a torn quad. Yeah, I agree. The, the mistakes were made last year at the deadline and then yeah. in the offseason, you know, before you got to camp, once you got to camp, you know, it, it was it was what it was, as Bill would say, you know, the hay, it, it, the hay was in the barn. The hay yeah, was the hay in the was barn. In the barn. And, yeah, and now the, the, the mistake is the, the mistake is is last year at the trade deadline or before not getting rid of because you knew how it was going to play out. And the Patriots knew they didn't want to give a 30 something Stefan Gilmore the kind of mega extension that he was looking for. And it was blatant from all his maneuver contract maneuverings that he wanted one more. He wanted to squeeze one more big deal out of everything. I want to get from saying, I need a raise to play last year, blah, blah, blah. I want to get to another question before we get to JC Jackson quickly. What do you make of Gilmore going to Carolina, not getting a bump, being willing to play the rest of the season on the money he was set to make with the Patriots? What do we make of that? That's that's pretty typical. And I was surprised, and I was the first one to report this. I mean, I was surprised. I asked, you know, I have pretty good sources in Carolina, and I was like, all right, so for a six-round pick, you must have agreed to give him a mega deal, right, or some sort of bump. And they're like, nope, no bump, no contract. And he and they said, I, from their understanding, that he would have been willing to do the same in New England if the Patriots – uh, would have entertained a contract extension in the off season and the ba- Patriots would not. Now, I don't know how much I, I don't know how much I believe it. I think ha- some of it is true. Nick, this is the way I read it though. I read it that when you're on a team and you performed for a team, you, 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 you expect a certain amount of respect in return. And this also sort somewhat goes to Brady that you say, all right, well, I take care of you on the field and I do everything you ask me to do. You're going to take care of me. That does not include signing like four free agents that make more money than me. When when for years you've kept it carefully, hey, I can't sign X because I'm paying Julian Edelman this, or I can't. And, and I agree with that approach. I think it's worked for them. But as soon as the Patriots gave up big money this offseason and changed their MO, all of a sudden Stefan and other people are looking at it like, dude, these guys haven't played it down for you. I've won you Super Bowls. And you won't give me anything. What's the deal? So I think it was a point where Stefan Gilmore said, yeah, I'll pay for the $7 million. Not for you, for somebody else, but not for you. 
where's this leave JC Jackson? He's the number one, obviously, but what's this mean for his future? I mean, he's, he's in the driver's seat, Nick. They're going to have to either overpay him or pay him market value. Or at, at the very least, they're going to have to franchise tag him for a year, if not two. So the franchise tag after this year is about it's $17.5 million for cornerback. That means if they tag him in year two to keep him again, it's you're talking $21 million or something like that. And if I'm, if I'm J.C. J. Jackson's agent and negotiations have not gone well there, J.C. over the past has excess, expressed some frustration to the media on Instagram. Uh, he wants a big deal. He wants generational wealth. He wants to set up his family. And I think he was a little bit insulted that the Patriots gave him a second round tender as an RFA. I thought that, you know, the Patriots were playing the game with, well, nobody has any cap space. So we're going to, we're going to try to tag him lower and we'll just always match where he thought he should have gotten a first round tender and should have gotten more money. And that didn't happen. So I think that, I think they know exactly if they go to market, they are getting paid big time. And so the negotiations start with a two-year franchise tag. That's about $40 million guaranteed over the first two years, if not more. I can't, I can't see, I, I, I don't know if the Patriots can do that. I would say he's headed to be franchised. Well, one quick last thing. It just goes back to this offseason. We all thought that the Patriots would likely draft a cornerback, or many of us did, because of the Gilmore situation. They decided not to draft a young cornerback. They decided to sign Jalen Mills. And now you're in this kind of a mess in the secondary, not only currently, but also in the future. You have to imagine that Belichick is going to no doubt address the cornerback position, you know, this coming off season. But for now, you've got what you've got. All right, let's jump into uh, Bet US, Greg. Of course, uh, you know, a lot of people are looking at these games every single weekend. Uh, no better time to get involved with BetUS than right now. Playoff baseball, basketball starting up, hockey starting up. Of course, you got the NFL. You got a big slate in college football tomorrow. I think it's four matchups between top 25 teams. Tell them all about BetUS. Listen up, sports bettors. This is Greg Bedard, and I'm here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football is back, and it's time to get in on the action. I only endorse one sports book, and that is BetUS.com. Why, you ask? Because BetUS has been America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, and all kinds of other crazy stuff that Nick Cattles watches that I would never yeah. watch and never have time to, but he does. Fury and he tweets about it, too. Fury versus Wilder three tomorrow night. Oh Here yeah, is that yeah? I saw your big slate for this weekend on Twitter. Yeah. You're all fired up. All fired up. Uh, nobody in the industry gets bigger bonuses than BetUS. Check out now, uh, and you can get up to 200 bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. I bet at BetUS, and so should you. That's BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book. Enter BSJ when you sign up at bet, BetUS.com for a special bonus. BetUS.com, where the games begin. And by the way, I forgot to put down on a run rundown that at some point, real quick, we need to pick the Patriots game. And I was just looking at the BetUS lines. Patriots are favored by nine points. Okay. All right, there you go. BetUS, check them out. Let's get into Belichick in the personnel decisions he's made, especially over the past four or five years. 
I know you wrote about this at BSJ. I haven't been able to check out the piece, but you you numbered all of these different deals year to year, and especially the ones that did not work out. I see that you're questioning what Belichick is doing in personnel. Tell people why you're questioning that and, and kind of what led you to write what you wrote this week. Yeah, so, I mean, the big thing is, um, you know, I – if those of you that haven't seen the story, I, brought, I I went in depth on about four different deals. Um, the Gilmore deal. Basically, the, the premise of it is blue chips out of this program, not much back. Gilmore for a sixth. Joe Tooney walks in free agency with no compensation after he should have been traded. Uh, Tom Brady's last extension and how that just – it gave him a free pass out. Like – we're not arguing about whether or not it should have been done or not. But the fact of the matter is you let a franchise quarterback leave with no compensation and you added to your dead cap by giving him that extension last year when you didn't need to do that. He could have just played out his deal and been done if that's, and you could have gotten that third round compensation pick. Um, The Jimmy Garoppolo deal too late. It's basically blue chippers going out, not much coming back and them being too late. And, and and not early enough. Uh, and then I had a list of other sort of footnoted deals that didn't really ideally work out. Um, so my Nick, my big thing is like, I don't, so, so that's one thing. Blue chippers going out. The other thing, and I think this is an overall thing and I'm going to write about it this weekend at Boston Sports Journal, is Nick, for years, and, and I love this about Belichick, you could basically – he always had a backup plan. He always had a succession plan just about every place. Like if somebody – like at running back, you know, going from whatever they had, you know, Kevin Falk to Shane Vereen to James White to – okay. Cor- uh, slot, Wes Welker to Julian Edelman. You know, just go down the line. You could always see like, okay, I can understand them making this deal because they have X, Y, or Z in the pipeline. Right. There's no pipeline anymore, Nick. There's no succession plan. Like, and I think we mentioned it last week. Like, for example, like I think this this team and Mac Jones sorely misses a, a slot receiver. Like, you knew the clock was ticking. I mean, whether it's – Rob Gronkowski, they they didn't do anything at tight end with Gronk, Rob Gronkowski winding down. Didn't draft anybody of note. Didn't draft anybody high. Wide receiver's been a disaster. Um, slot receiver, they let go. Who's next? Who's next at, say, at free safety after Devin McCourty? Who's next after you know that Stephon Gilmore and J.C. Jackson are 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 going to be gone? Are going to be high priced in the next couple of years? Like the, the the cornerback situation highlights the lack of succession plans anymore with the Patriots. And I just don't I don't understand it, Nick, because I, I that was one of the beauties of how the Patriots worked in personnel, that you could see the succession plan. It was seamless. Next guy up, blah, blah, blah. I don't see it really anywhere, Nick. And look at quarterback, too. They had Garoppolo. But there were a couple of years where they could have done something else at quarterback to be ready for when Brady was gone, and they weren't, and they had to sign Cam Newton. Like all of this has been very unbelichick-like, and I don't, I don't understand what ha- what what has happened. I don't understand why it's like this now. 
the quarterback thing is tough. Uh, It's very tough to transition from a a legitimate franchise quarterback to find that next guy. It it doesn't always fall perfectly for some teams like the Colts with Andrew Luck from Manning, like Rodgers from Favre. It, It doesn't always work that way. I mean, look at Pittsburgh this year. That is a disaster. You've got to hope that a, a quarterback falls to you that you like. You don't want to give up too much at the time to move up because you're trying to surround Brady with weapons. It's very difficult to find that succession plan. And so I I, I don't necessarily kill Belichick for how all uh, I, Nick, I, I understand that. I understand it's, it's difficult to do it. I would have liked to have seen them just attempt it. I mean, they had to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. They should have gotten a quarterback high in the draft. They knew now the window was tightened again. And and Belichick knew that Brady Fair, was going to stick But again, my point, so is, my point is, who could they have gotten? Who was there that was available? Um, did they like the guy that was available? All of those questions. I mean, yes, in theory, I agree with you. In, in theory, Belichick, his mistake wasn't necessarily letting Brady walk because of the contract and all the stuff that happened with the Falcons. We've talked about that. Uh, it, there's no doubt a bigger issue with Belichick not being, you know, maybe more aggressive or ready for when Brady left to have somebody to plug into the system. I agree with that general thought. My point is when we have that conversation, there's a ton of context that goes along with it. And you've got to go into each year and say, okay, who was available? What do you give up? Do you give that up to move up? Is Brady going to get pissed? Et cetera, et cetera. There's, There's a lot of different working things that go into that bigger picture thought. Uh, I'd also say, Nick, you hang, know, on, hang on. I can't let I can't let this go yet. I understand what you're saying, but like, just know that you but, gave me a time. You just let me know you gave me a. I know, I know. I just want to get this in real quick. <laughs> you gave that, me a time limit today. That you know, look, they traded Jimmy Garoppolo in 2017. Yeah, they didn't draft a quarterback in 2018, and they drafted yeah. Jared Stidham in 2019. Right. Like you got my my only. They should have drafted a quarterback or done they, something at the quarterback position they, in 2018. They, they drafted. They drafted Brissett. They swung and missed. They drafted Stidham. They swung and missed. Uh, now, you could argue, hey, they should have drafted somebody in the top two or three rounds. But again, at the same time, you've got Brady bitching about his weapons. You're trying to get better to surround him with talent and make the most of his window. All I'm saying is this. I- I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with you, Greg, or anybody that says Belichick did not have the quarterback situation set in the right way when Brady left. My point is, it's not an easy thing to do. And what you're trying to do, and we see this with the Steelers, we saw it with the Saints, who, you know, they, they locked into Jameis Winston on a, on a low money deal, and their offense isn't very good, by the way. It's very difficult. And you see this with the Packers. The Packers drafted Jordan Love. That became a disaster. The toughest challenge for any NFL team is to go from a legitimate franchise quarterback to that next guy immediately i i understand it i just wanted them to attempt it and plus lamar jackson was right there at their pick so i mean that's what i'm that's that's all i'm st- I, I know it's hard and i'm not saying they could have knocked it out i said attempt it you knew belichick knew he got he, he had to trade garoppolo now he knew all right well i need to get a new succession plan he, right but he, it's a, it's, he punted it's a delicate, on it in 2018 it's a delicate balance again it's yep. a delicate balance because you're trying to if you spend a first round pick on lamar jackson then what happens with Brady? What's he have to say? Do you have to rush Jackson in? Does I mean, again, you're trying to coddle the greatest quarterback of all time, but yet you're also trying to prepare yourself to, to be 
ready for when he leaves. And I also think Belichick thought that Brady was going to stay and that they would be able to work out short-term deals. And that was a swing and a miss. But again, yep. I think my point is pretty clear. I, I just think, look at every team in the NFL, every other team. It's incredibly difficult to have an Andrew Luck situation or Aaron Rodgers situation play out. It's, it's incredibly difficult. They had their guy in Garoppolo and Brady beat father time. And so they had to adjust. They could have done more. Sure. But if you did more, would you not do right by Brady? And would that have started a whole different firestorm? And people would have been bitching that they drafted a young quarterback instead of surrounding Brady. Like people bitch like I do about drafting Jordan Love instead of surrounding Rodgers. Uh, let's get to the uh, Texans game quickly. But first, the uh, Legends. I got to tell you about Legends, a premium athletic apparel built for the modern athlete owned by some of your favorite athletes, including Willie McGinnis himself. You can visit legends.com, use code PATS20 to save 20% on your first order. Again, it's PATS20, save 20% on your first order. That ends on October 10th, so just a couple of days from right now. You got to jump in, people. Yeah, you got to get on it. You got until Sunday, and I'm telling you, this stuff is top of the line. We have been talking about it for the last several weeks. Greg and I both love it. The hoodie's awesome. The shorts are awesome. Go check it out, legends.com, and don't forget to use Pats20 uh, to save 20% on your first order. Texans, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this. Uh, you know, obviously, a couple of quick hits. David Culley seems like he's way underwater already, which shouldn't surprise people. Uh, they are not very good defensively, Greg. Nick uh, Casario is trying to rebuild this roster on the fly. They've got the Deshaun Watson headache, which I think they've completely mismanaged. And so now without Tyrod Taylor being available, which has been, unfortunately for him, the story of his career, they have Davis Mills at quarterback. Last week against the Bills at Buffalo, their first half of offense was one of the, if not the worst, first half offensive <laughs> displays I've seen in NFL history. Um, just your quick. You've take seen a lot me. of crappy. You've seen a lot of crappy NFL I've football. A, I've seen a lot of crappy NFL football. And I'll tell you this one, <laughs> this one takes the cake last week. Uh, your quick, like one minute breakdown of Houston. If you have one, uh, I don't have much. I am interested in a little, uh, you know, reunion with the expatriates, many of whom, by the way, side note, uh, I'll be interested to see. We'll probably see a Bill Belichick embrace of Jack Easterby during this game. First of all, Jack Easterby in Seth Wickersham's book, one of the curveballs I did not see coming was Jack Easterby basically standing up to Robert Kraft. Gee, I wonder where he got this from. I wonder who told him this anecdote, <clears throat> Jack Easterby, that basically Jack Easterby stood up to Robert Kraft and said, you're not being fair to, 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 to Bill Belichick. I stand with Bill. He's the greatest coach of all time. Basically something like that. There was some sort of moment like very, that. very dramatic Jack Easterby yeah. moment. So we get, yeah. So we get Brandon cooks, Danny Amendola, Rex Burkhead, Marcus Cannon, Dick Casario, <laughs> Ooh, all the, all the feels, Nick, all the feels. Uh, look, the tech, I'll be interested to see how I want to watch how the Patriots offense, you know, if they have any offensive linemen for this game, or maybe they're just going to go, like uh, seven on seven, like just one guy snapping in the <laughs> middle of the field um, type of thing. Uh, I assume uh, the way they're operating, it seems like they, they're confident that some of those guys are going to be back from COVID and, and whatnot. Um, uh, you know, I think the Texans defense is, is decent. I think it can give them some trouble. I think they have some good players out there. Um, you know, their offense is horrible. 
I mean, Tunsil's good at left tackle. Um, you know, Marcus Cannon is there. I'll be interested to see how he looks. I don't think I he's not. Playing. Oh, he's not playing. I'm I, not sure I have. Playing. I have not seen any Texans film. I'll be watching that today. Uh, I'm uh, I'm interested in seeing Davis Mills, who's a guy I think that the Patriots were intrigued about as a later round prospect. If um, earlier QB play did not work out. Yeah, and I'll just say my concern, obviously, you just hit is the offensive line. At practice, they've been missing four of their starting five. Uh, that could even the game out just a little bit. I mean, obviously, I think the Patriots are a much better football team than Houston, but their offensive line has not been good, as we've highlighted. And if you're losing four of the five guys up front, that could be a disaster. And I also think Houston's going to have a hair across their ass. I mean, they went to Buffalo last week and got embarrassed. Uh, David Cully admitted, hey, we, you know, we weren't ready. We got embarrassed. It, it was a terrible game for them. I would imagine, at least at the start of this game, they're going to be very motivated to try to show people that they're not as much of a laughing stock as they were last week against the Bills. Uh, Pats plus nine is the line. Bet US, Greg. What are you thinking about that? Uh, Patriots. I'm taking the Patriots. You know, I mean, they they hopefully they blow doors. They should. Yeah, I think they'll. Uh, I I just don't see Houston's offense scoring much more than like you know I don't know ten thirteen points. So. Uh, I think the Patriots can can get into the 20s. So I take the uh, Pats laying the points at the uh, minus nine number there. Uh, BostonSportsJournal.com member question of the day, $39.99 on the annual plan. Top-notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports. Video analysis Bedard does on the coaches film for the Pats. Direct access to him in weekly chats. Do we have a question, Greg? Uh, just some, uh, just some general sort of, uh, you know, cause everybody gets uh, their backs all up, you know, when you talk about, um, Bill Belichick's failed dealings. So just to explain a couple things and basically the, the list that I put on there, those were like minor, you can quibble with them. You know, they weren't outright like God awful trades, like, you know, Gronkowski for a fourth, um, you know, that's more from the, why isn't he on your team anymore? And why did you even have to trade him? And he's outperformed a fourth round pick from the end of last year to this year, he's outperformed that. So um, there's no reason it's, it's more of why isn't he here? Why did you have to trade him? And the Chandler Jones trade, I, I liked at the time, but I thought that was contingent on Jonathan Cooper being a player. He was awful and did nothing for you and to just get a second round pick look i understand they had to trade chandler jones he he wanted a ton of money they've never given an edge guy money i knew they were going to trade him i predicted they judon. <laughs> what'd you say yeah till judon don't pay other outside but they'll play other edge players just not their own and uh i just thought look i thought jonathan cooper had a ton of upside i thought dante sarnecchia could fix him and you'd have a pro bowl guard didn't happen. He was awful. I don't even think he's in the league anymore. No, he's he was not. not a good player. So that definitely downgrades the trade. No doubt about it. Yeah. And I, I think, listen, when we, everybody in this business kind of gives their opinions on trades, uh, that's our job to give the opinions on trades. But it's, you know, to me, it's the football team's job to get those trades right. And so, you know, we're not, we're not running the football team. So yes, we're going to be, we're going to be wrong. Uh, a number of times that's part of this business like you, you throw your hat in the in the ring and, you, and you're going to be wrong um and looking at you know all the deals together in the past few years you can make your own assessments about belichick we're out of time 
I wish we had more, but we're out of time. It's the uh, Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, BetUS.com. Check them out. Uh, the best favorite sports book in America over 25 years. And, of course, don't forget, Legends.com. Legends.com. Pats20 is that code. You have until Sunday to get 20% off of your first order as we get closer to the holidays. He's Greg. I'm Nick. We'll watch the game on Sunday. It better be a W. Uh, We'll be back early next week to react to that. Until then, have a great weekend. Be healthy. Be good. And we'll see you.